Hello. Hi. Hi, Hi. everyone. Welcome to the same drugs. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, I'll do it. It would be actually cool if we did it at the same time. I should have gone with that. Clearly, we have not coordinated on the introduction process. That's okay. Yeah. Um, We're here. We're, uh, it's 9.10. Perfect. That's very, <laughs> that's very on time. I like opinion. how positive you are. Like, wow. That's Not pretty half an hour late. Guys, if this was like South America or somewhere, 10 minutes late is early and unacceptably early. I would say actually probably offensively early. So I think we've perfectly on time. I mean, I, like, can majorly get with that because I'm not on time for anything ever. Mm-hmm. And I don't really understand all the pressure to be on time places. No. Like, it's I mean... Very, it's the very productivity thing, right? Like, we bill... Like, I remember working in consulting. Like, you're billing for every 15 minutes. So if you're 15 minutes late, you've missed a whole segment of your billing time. It's like a big thing. It's great. And I mean, I don't Fifteen minutes. Yeah. Like ridiculous. 15 minutes doesn't even count as actual time. Mm. I just, yeah, that's how they bill. I mean, like, if you're catching a flight. Yes. If you're going to the I doctor. Know, I'm late for the doctor. Also. <laughs> if I'm it's like for- a specialist, you don't want to, like, miss your appointment because you won't get back in, you know? I agree. I agree that you don't want to miss your appointment, um, mm. but unfortunately, I have a condition, or maybe it's some kind of disability. <laughs> Where uh, you're always late. Some form of mental illness. Yeah, I have it too. I think it's it, called being normal. Yeah, it, I think. I, I mean, I hope. I mean, some people are real sticklers about it. Like yeah. maybe I hope maybe somebody can explain to me. Like, people who are really, really, really on time for everything, and it, like, stresses them out a lot Mm. when other people are late, or, like, I mean, I actually, I was going to say it stresses them out of their late, but I actually, I do get stressed out when I'm late. Like, it's not, I'm not late because I don't give a shit, actually. Like, I get really stressed out about it, and I feel really guilty, and, like, I apologize, and I'm sincere in my apology, but I can't actually seem to translate that into (laughs) getting somewhere on time. I feel like this could be a generalization, but there's certain cultures where timeliness is massive. So like Germany and maybe like Singapore and Japan and stuff, they're just super structured and orderly and timeliness. It's like, it's not illegal, but it's like you're fucking violating every code in the book. It's so like, it's such a disrespect thing to be late and then I think, like, the United States, Canada, Australia, we're kind of in the middle. Like, we don't generally be late, but some people are a bit more late than others. And some people think it's disrespectful and some people don't. And I'm like, I don't know. I think, yeah, I, like I, think, time, but. I think that people who stress about, like, people who are super on time and stress or get really upset when other people are late, I think they interpret it as a disrespect thing. Yeah. And they really shouldn't interpret it 
as a disrespect thing. I mean, this is sort of actually a bit of like a codependence thing because it's like you shouldn't be taking things that other people do personally. Like you shouldn't assume that anything that anybody does ever has anything to do with you because you like most often it doesn't. Most often it has to do with them. Like it's never and speaking as a late person, it's never it's not for disrespect. It's not because I don't care. It's not because, like, I don't know, I don't value the other person's time or schedule or whatever. It's just literally mm-hmm. I'm so bad at time management. And for mm-hmm. whatever reason, I can never picture in my head how long things take. Because I'll be like, okay, time to start getting ready. I've got 15 minutes. When in reality, it takes me, like, 45 minutes or an hour to get ready. But it doesn't ever adjust in my brain. Like, I still will say... And I think that I'm being sincere. Like, I'll have a friend. Friend will come over to pick me up. Be like, okay, like, how long do you need to get ready? I'll be like, eh, I'll be ready in 15 minutes. And then I'll be ready and I'll be like, okay, let's go. And they're like, okay, cool. It's been 45 minutes. Like, yes. I'm like, Same. Really? Seriously? <laughs> like, I do that sometimes. I'm like, I got ready so fast. Or, like, I'll do a task. And I'll be like, that yeah. was so quick. And then everyone's like, are you fucking serious? That took so long. And I was like, oh, my I, that podcast I did with Mark Groves, I timed it for 60 minutes. And then afterwards, it was two hours. And I don't know how that happened because I was watching the clock. <laughs> okay. That's bad. That's, that's <laughs> different. That's like, you were watching the clock and it ended up being two hours. And you thought I was- thought I was watching the clock. Yeah. I was like, sweet. It was exactly one hour. Like, that's what he said it would be. <laughs> Okay, well, Laura, that's you're just a flake, then. No, I think uh, I'm. So I'm pretty sure I'm I've a been flake too. Some, so, no, no. Well, I've been talking to some other psychs about this because it's there is an issue with like my cognition around what's happening, and I think it's partly related to like sleep sleeplessness and stuff. So oh. you're not fully perceiving what's happening around you, and particularly your short term memory. Because short-term memory is like kind of storing the last 15 minutes and that gives you a good sense of time and your short-term memory is not really storing things properly so you're not actually tracking time as a person with sleep would be doing. So I think it's something to do with that. I uh, I don't know what yours is. No, I think you're probably right. Yeah, I don't know what my problem is either. Um, (laughs) I think that it's that I'm just... A really, you know, I, I think we maybe talked about this a little bit on a, a, a long, long time ago live stream and what my, I came to the conclusion that I'm just really a really optimistic person. Yeah. And so it's that I really genuinely am like, yeah, I can do all of these things yes. in the day and yeah. I can totally get ready. And why would it take me longer than 15 minutes to get ready? Like, what am I doing? What could I possibly I doing, be doing yeah. that would take me 45 minutes? I don't know. Like, it's crazy. You know, I'm like, yeah, of course I can have a meeting here. Then I have time to get here. Then I have time to get here, but it never happens. It's never realistic. And the, it's inevitably like when I'm late to like, okay, I'll meet you at the bar at this time. Or like, I'll be over at your house at this time. Like things that aren't super serious. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the the math is that I'm always 40 minutes later than whatever I said. Yeah, that's about right for me too. 
One thing I'm realizing as I get older is that I think that optimism about time and doing all these things and like I can do everything. I feel like, I don't know if that was like a young thing or like an unrealistic expectations of life thing, lack of boundary thing. Like I feel like there's a few reasons because I'm like, yeah, I can do all of these tasks. I can just take on this whole extra thing. I can, yeah, give me some more projects. Like I can do it all. And now I'm starting to realize like, dude, there's only like a couple of segments of the day. And also my earlier jobs didn't help set me up for this because I did consulting and it's like nine hours a day, like back to back meetings and shit. You've got to schedule like every 15 minutes has to be covered with work. So you'd be back to back and stuff. And now I'm like, actually, it's pretty realistic. Most people just have a couple of windows of productivity, like one sort of in the morning time and one in the afternoon time some people do an evening one but I don't think that's actually good for you um so you actually can't do everything like you just can't it's not possible I mean I I often try to schedule like I just I mean because I can't fit everything in but Mm -hmm. like it's like I'll try to schedule like a meeting and like an interview and then I'll have other things and I'll be like like it makes sense when you write it down but in practice it's just too much stuff and it doesn't yeah. work. And like, I just, uh, I, I can't, I can't, the, the 40 minute thing, I've never been able to figure out why in my brain, I don't just add 40 minutes on to whatever I'm saying. <laughs> like, Cause sense. then you'd be another would be 40 minutes minute after that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm really sorry, everyone. I okay. apologize if I'm ever late to meet you. I feel bad. It stresses me out. It's not because I don't respect you. It's because I have a brain disability where everything <laughs> I do is 40 minutes delayed. That's fine. You would do fine in other countries. It's probably just, yeah. Yeah, it's like these uptight. And Vancouver isn't even that uptight as far as mm-hmm. like, Vancouver is like more casual and relaxed about time than supposedly people in Toronto, like people on the East Coast and probably like, I don't know, people in American cities and maybe some mm-hmm. other countries. But yeah, I mean, I I should be living in like, I don't know, Mexico or something like that. Mm-hmm. Spain, maybe. Mm-hmm. Agree. Um, so how was your week? Uh, good, I think. I don't really remember now. Like I said, I don't have a very good short-term memory. <laughs> I think it's been because it feels like a long time since we did one of these. How about you? Uh, well, so I went camping. Oh, yeah. Which is why I'm all red, although I was oh. red last week too, so maybe I'm just kind of a red person. I, so, yeah, so I went over to um, – the island i went to hornby and denman island which are golf islands in bc that are very beautiful and i camped yeah was that cool i mean it was fine like it wasn't like like super rugged camping like it's not like i'm fucking hiking in somewhere and making my own food like the campsite was actually great great location really beautiful there's a little store there there's an espresso machine in the store, so I'm fine. As long as I can access, like, coffee, water, real toilets, there are real toilets there. And the only the whole reason I was camping was not because I was like, I'm going to go camping. Like, I want to sleep outside where everything's inconvenient and dirty. 
Um, it's because like of the location. Like this is what's gonna force me to camp. It's like I want to go to Hornby Island. This is the only option. Nowhere else to stay. Got to camp. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And it was yeah, it was really beautiful. Uh, I got a really bad sunburn, which made me feel like a stupid child. Like who gets a fucking sunburn? Bro, I thought up. you were gonna say sunstroke, like because you know how you can get quite sick. It makes you feel like a stupid baby. Yeah. Like, what adult gets a sunburn? Like, where's sunscreen? Oh, you do? Okay, good. That makes me feel better. I felt like such an idiot. I was like, ugh, I'm giving myself sun damage. Like, I should know better than this. This is another one of the, it's like lessons that you should already have learned and you haven't learned. And it just makes me feel like dumb and mad at myself. And it's because, like, I always wear sunscreen on my face. I have, like, I just wear um, moisturizer with sunscreen in it every day because I don't want to get face wrinkles um, or skin cancer. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't really ever actually put sunscreen on my body, which I know sounds ridiculous because I have, like, translucent skin. Um, but it's also because I don't, like, it's not, I don't usually just go lie out in the sun for hours on end. I just sort of go out for a bit every day to acclimatize my skin to it. So I go sit on the deck uh-huh. for, like, I don't know, 45 minutes or an hour every day. And so you never really burn, burn, and eventually just tan. But, like, this time I went, I was, like, out on the beach in a bathing suit for hours on end for many days in a row. And I think the sun was super strong. And I was like, oh, my God. Did you have no sunscreen on the whole time? Until I got sun Then I started putting sunscreen on. Wow. Well, I mean, Australia is very sunny compared to Canada. But can I just say, I think it's pretty funny how we often get to, like, 30s and then realize, like, we haven't really mastered these, like, basic skills that you typically learn in childhood. Like, I'm still trying to work out how to sleep good. And it's, like, it takes, like, years. Or eat good, right? That's, like, a whole thing. Yeah. Like, there's time management. It's, like, this is kids shit and it's like it takes a really long time to learn it maybe i won't learn it maybe um part of it is just accepting that i can't really do it very well swimming i can't swim properly still laura but did you take (laughs) swimming lessons when you were a kid yeah it's like forced in australia but i was just shit at it it's forced in australia like it's mandatory yeah it's not optional what like they do, like in school, I guess they make yeah. you take swimming lessons. Yeah. So how far up? I don't know what your levels are in Australia and Canada. They were I don't know if they've changed since then, but they were like colors. So you do all the colors, and then you do like the lifeguarding stuff. So I did all that stuff. So I did all the colors, and then I did when I was in high school, I did like the lifeguarding swimming. Oh God! Classes. No. So I I'm like... actually a good swimmer. <laughs> and I, I... Might be able to save your life if you drowned. If I remember, yeah, it was a long you time would. Ago. I couldn't, I think the best I got to was to be able to swim 50 meters freestyle, like without stopping. Like that was my best effort after well, all my okay. years of learning how to swim. Okay. Well, it's really I, I mean, you can swim, so that's good. You can swim. Yeah. You're just not very good at swimming. Yeah. And I'd um, probably drown like in the ocean. Oh, you would. Okay. Yeah. I would, I would not. I can like tread water with waves. Really... 
Like for a really long time, eventually I would drown like an, any human, but I can tread water for a really, really long time without any hands too. So I could hold you and tread water for a long time. Could you swim with like waves hitting you? Yeah. I mean, eventually I would, I mean, I can't, I'm not like, I mean, eventually it depends on how far we're going. I mean, if I'm in the middle of the ocean, then yeah, we're going to die. <laughs> I like but how I can you're get talking to shore. about it as an actual thing. Like, I would never go swim somewhere in the ocean. You're like, I mean, I've never tried. Ocean. Okay. I've never tried to rescue somebody in the middle of the ocean before, so maybe I'm <laughs> overestimating my skills. I might be overconfident. Um, okay, but what are you good at? <laughs> I don't know. List <laughs> your skills. <laughs> no, I was just thinking about things I'm bad at. So, like, I failed PE, physical education, for anyone that doesn't know. I failed art. I was very good at English, the- obviously. Oh, okay. Those are the only things I was good at. I, I did well in, I did really well in PE, and I did good in art and English and then failed everything else. Oh, see, that's your, so you've got that feeling side. Remember we were talking about the thinking feeling because I was good at English and math. So the more like the more structured side, which is the thinking, but you have that feeling thing, which is the arty side of your verbal capacity. Okay. Yeah, I was really bad at math. I failed all of my math classes. Oh, I just found it easy, like not interesting, but just easy. Yeah, I failed math, I failed science, uh, I failed French. It's funny because you're very, like, logical when you're dealing with a problem, like looking at the data and going through the layers. I think it's one of those things that's, like, high school is set up so that if you sort of miss something, then you can't catch up again. Like, it's like they've already moved forward, so I would just miss stuff and then not catch up. And then I was too, like, insecure and shy, I think, to say, like, oh, I missed this. Like, so I just would keep getting behind and behind and behind. And then eventually you just kind of give up. I also didn't really go to class. Like, in high school, I skipped school all the time. Like, always. Um, So I just really wasn't there. I wasn't, like, trying and failing. I was literally not trying at all or going to class and also failing. I I was very, like... I knew what that I wanted to get into a certain uni. So I was like, I'm going to go for my classes that are necessary for like the university entrance score. And I just won't go to the others. And um, they were so pissed off because of course there was like religious education and all this shit. And I was like, I'm not doing your fucking stupid religious education. And they were so offended. And like, you have to come, you won't graduate if you don't attend the classes like you can't just keep missing hours and hours and I was like no I'm not coming like you can't force me I'm going to come for my classes that I need for uni yeah I think that's enough that's fair I think that's reasonable I also (laughs) like I I turned my laziness and lack of interest in school like I politicized it obviously which I continued to do for the next I don't know 20 years um Mm. politicizing my failures Um, which is what (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is that I I like had this big critique of the education system and I was like reading about like what is it called de-schooling yeah unschooling yeah unschooling I think um I thought it was like authoritative and oppressive and I was like into like anarchist education and we should yeah. just be able to educate ourselves and do whatever we want and go into the woods and stare at leaves 
This is my argument. <laughs> this is I like the whole. Man. This is the whole of woke culture right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I've been super woke for a long time. This is yeah. why I think that I'm a great person to speak to. Why the left and the woke are so shitty and phony is because I was like that for so long. Right. <laughs> okay. See, like, I have I'm a, a Marxist. I, Give me money. I don't yeah. want to work. Why yeah. am I poor? Why are you rich? Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck these classes. I don't have to go. You can't tell me what to do. Give me some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> See, I think I had a, a, a different angle, um, which was, the, and I think it's reflected in the way we're both slightly different in our critiques of politics and culture. So um, it seems to me that I felt like everyone Sorry, that I uh, went to. Oh, you're back. <laughs> I was just like continuing the story. Sorry. Sorry. Okay, go back. You have a critique of. Well, we're both, we come at it from slightly different angles. And I feel like that's our backgrounds actually like I went to school with my parents forced me to go to this like kind of expensive school which was really weird because like we didn't actually have the money for it um so everyone there I thought were just like rich snobby bitches and I think they actually were and are they're probably some of the people that are woke right now um and I was like, you're all just fake. Like, you have no idea what you're talking about. Your politics are phony. Your ideas are just made up. Like, you're guessing what you think, like, suffering and poverty and trauma. Like, you're just guessing. You, Your politics are made up on the basis of guessing what you think other people have been through. So, like, I just, I think you're full of shit. And I kind of know some of them now as an adult. And I'm like... Yeah, I know you're full of shit. I actually know your life story, so I know that you're full of shit. Right. I mean, I just had like, I mean, I had a major chip on my shoulder because I went to a high school that was, I mean, I guess it's mostly a middle class high school. But of course, I thought that middle class people were rich. I thought that anybody who owned a house was rich or had like a new car. Um, Yeah, I think that's the same for me. So, and we didn't have money. And so I was like bitter about it. And I mean, fair enough. I don't mean like, it's like, I think class consciousness is great and very useful. Like, you know, I think that being working class is political Mm -hmm. and it is hard to escape your class um, because you just don't have access to the same opportunities because Mm -hmm. your family can't afford to pay your way through university. Um, You don't get to do stuff like, go travel for a year after you graduate because you have to go to work. Um, It's harder to get through university and college because you're also working. Um, You end up with debt that is stuck with you for the rest of your life. Like I have, you know, I Um, think the reason I got out of it was just through scholarships. Like that's, that's the difference for me. I got scholarships for this shit. mm -hmm. Without that, I would just have been stuck like working, getting a job straight after school and working. Like that would be it. Um, yeah, I, class consciousness is better than race consciousness. Somebody in the comments says, MK, okay. Uh, I agree. I kind of think class consciousness is like one of the primary things we should be conscious of, like even more so than feminism in a lot of ways. It's funny how it's fallen down the ladder and it's like, 
a small caveat. They make a list of all these things that people think are associated with privilege and they choose the most visible ones. You can see if someone's black. You can see some mm-hmm. disabilities. They, mm-hmm. they choose the things that are just easy and obvious to them. And that's why I say I think a lot of it's phony because I think it's not grounded in, like, real-life experiences. For example, like, I don't think a lot of these people that are, like, ranting and raving on the Internet have gone and worked with charities or, like, volunteered to assist the people that they claim they're talking on behalf of because mm-hmm. I think I if mean, they I have did, not in my, like, I can't, I don't, I just, oh, I'm, I don't want to, like, well, I mean, I guess you could say I volunteered to write feminism, write about mm. feminism on the internet for many years. Yeah. Um, I definitely worked for free. Um, yeah. But I just mean, I don't want to, like, I can't, I'm not in a position to criticize people who haven't gone to work for charities or done like volunteer work in. Mm. It's interesting because like, it's I like. Ways, I guess you could say. Yeah. I think my mom like forced me since I was young to do it. And I don't think I really understood why she was like, you have to like volunteer. I volunteered with like uh, children with disabilities or like refugees who've just arrived in the country and, um, little things that was like uh, necessary and relevant to our background. Like she understood the importance of it because of her background. Um, and that forced me to learn the importance of it. And then, of course, moving overseas and living in Vietnam and volunteering there just like blows all of your woke bullshit out of the water. Like that's totally changes everything, I think. And I feel like that's a lot of – I often assume that when people talk about um, privilege and oppression and poverty, I think I incorrectly assume that they've actually spent significant time with or at least seeing those things mm-hmm. because I have. And I forget that actually lots of people haven't left their city. Like, And mm-hmm. so if that's not in their background, in their family or their friends or their community then they just literally have never seen it it's just well and i think but i know people who have traveled a lot and who have seen it and still don't get it and so i actually think it might be a class thing i mean probably not always because i'm sure there's plenty of like middle class or upper class people maybe not honestly but like you know like i know middle class people and well-off people who've traveled a lot so are familiar with the circumstances in other countries and still don't understand class and how it traps you. Um, Do they see class as not relating to those other countries? Like they just think those other countries are like a block of things and their country's different? I mean, I think that they probably have a like pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality, which I... I mean, I would advocate that. Like, I've always, I've always spoken against that. Like, it's like, oh, this is like neoliberal American dream garbage. Like, but at the same time, it's like, I, you know, there is something to be said for like working hard and trying to get out of that impoverished um, situation. But I mean, sometimes you just can't. Like, sometimes you're just trapped by all. Like, if you're you know, you get pregnant when you're young. Like, what do you do? Like, you're a single mom. What do you do? Like, you don't have the means. You don't have the time. What do you do? Mm-hmm. You're just struggling to survive. Um, 
But I think they sort of do have that mentality of blame where it's still sort of your fault and you could if you just tried enough. Like, oh, well, Mm -hmm. why don't you go to school? You know, that seems like an easy solution, like to somebody. (laughs) I know, I like, I agree with you, but it does, it's like, well, why don't you like get a loan and go get an education? And it's like, they don't understand that it's like, I can get a loan, but like getting a loan isn't enough to go to university. Like people don't understand that getting a loan will pay for your tuition and your books and stuff like that, but it won't cover your rent. So you got to get a loan, but you still have to keep working. So it's just like this extra struggle. I think there's this, there, there's like an entirely different world when you've actually been exposed to uh, being poor in a real sense, not in a like tourist, like I'm touring the poor world. Oh, that's interesting. They're poor. Or like I'm touring this poor neighborhood. Oh, isn't that sad? It's a bit of a ghetto. But like actually being exposed to what it means, which is like the survival mindset, the fact that you must prioritize like rent and food above all else, like those key things have to keep getting paid for which means everything else is in addition like the idea of people like just save like just save and just study more like that just save your money like it's like invest your money it's like what what money are you talking about is there's money left over like i don't have enough money to get on the bus to get to work but okay i'll start saving like and you know in in their defense i'm really bad with my money (laughs) but (laughs) i actually think has to do with like my class because i've just never i've never had an excess of money so I got like stressed out about money. I don't know what to do with money when I have it. And like, I think of it as impermanent. So the idea of saving doesn't make sense to me in my head because I don't think of access to money as a long-term thing. I think of it as a short-term thing. Like, okay, well I have money right now, so I should do something with it. Like it's totally fucked up. But anyway, I, I mean, like I agree with you on a certain level, but then at the same, I mean, I never traveled um, Mm -hmm. until, you know, two, three years ago, I never Mm -hmm. went anywhere because I just never could really afford to do that kind of thing. And I get it. And so, and I think that I get it because of class. Like, I think that you're right that also traveling other to other places, living other places is incredibly important and would super Mm -hmm. open your eyes to reality. Um, But I also culture too. No, I know what you mean. It's it's like, well, I think you had uh, parents who were more like alive to the politicization of class. Yeah. I think my parents were open about being working class, but not in necessarily a politicized sense. And that m- is probably to do with both of their backgrounds, their family's backgrounds. But um. But but also moving overseas is a big, like, wake-up call to race and culture. Like, the idea that the world is as simple as, like, white privilege versus oppressed BIPOCs. Like, that just blows yeah. that out of the water straight away. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. It's not, I'm not talking have... about travel as a hobby, AC. Calm down. I'm talking about I moved overseas. I, I don't want to say I went and toured the, and I went and did tours around Asia. No, like I went and lived there for a few years. It was very cheap. It was far cheaper than living in Australia. So I could actually just be working like casual and part-time um, as a psych. I was already a psych. 
um, and afford to live in Vietnam. Like I lived with locals. I didn't go live with the tourists and the expats. I was living super cheap. And it was cool. Like you wake up. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's why you have uh, such a good perspective on all this crap mm. that's going on right now. I mean, it's mm. interesting because it's like, I mean, it's so obvious when you look at what what uh, the issues are that we're talking about. Like you said before, the issues that are really um, important right now, I mean, race seems to be the main thing. And that's mm-hmm. because it's all about visibility. Whereas class, for example, isn't something you can always see immediately. Like you don't always know what someone's background is or their circumstances, where they came from, what they've struggled with. Do you think that I feel like uh, classism is almost entirely socially acceptable? Like it's very unacceptable to make racist comments. Um, It's very unacceptable to make comments that are disparaging to disabled people. That's another like visible one. Um, Ageism seems to be pretty acceptable, but classism is like, I feel like we just all do it naturally, even when we're kind of aware of the issue of class. We still, I don't know, I find myself making comments like it's also an Australian thing, just being like, oh, these fucking idiots. Like, And then I'm like, hold on, like they haven't experienced what I've experienced. There is a reason for that. Like you can't just write everyone off as fucking dumb. Like some of them actually have not, had the education for good reasons but it's like it's just kind of acceptable to be against people who didn't pull themselves up by their bootstraps and in some ways I do this because you know when I see Australians who are like myself and they were working class and they just kind of I don't know I just kind of see them fucking around acting like dickheads they go to Bali and trash the place And I'm like, you're fucking idiots. Um, It's really hard to not judge them. But I understand that a part of their behavior is that that's the world they grew up in. Right. Um, So Paula in the comments says, because class is not seen as inherent, which is a really good point, actually, because, yeah, class isn't, it's not, inherent like you can change your status um in the west and at the same time being a woman is inherent and there are a lot of people who don't feel like that's like a an oppressed status or class or that that has like a major impact on your life circumstances certainly i mean trans i mean i guess i guess in gender gender identity ideology they are trying to say that trans is inherent so that you can't argue with it because i was gonna say yeah. well, trans isn't inherent and that apparently is like the most oppressed thing that you can be um but i guess they're there's they're really big into the born that way thing for their transgender yeah 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 uh, melissa said class classism isn't something that we talk about that's true it's just like it's just what we do we don't actually care that we do it. Like when socioeconomic status is put in a list of disadvantages or oppressions now, as everyone calls it, 
it's like the at the bottom it's kind of like a minor detail despite the fact it's actually the central the core driving force behind all of the things that shape people's life experiences like that's wild to me that that's the main thing that's affecting people's outcomes in life and we're like oh it's just this like small thing we'll just chuck it in like the fine print yeah um in the comments annie just said a lot of people think intelligent equals educated which is like i mean that's classist in and of itself because if you're equating having gone to university and having a degree or degrees with being intelligent then i mean first of all you're fucking wrong because like so many people who go to university are completely fucking retarded like (laughs) obviously i mean even if you just look at the like woke culture on twitter like all these people who are just spouting jargon but have nothing intelligent to say or original to say they don't have in their head they're just repeating yes they're just repeating these lines and 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 mantras that they've heard over and over and over again which is the opposite of intelligence um and i mean it's funny because it's like i i'm i don't think i've ever i'm trying to think i don't think i've ever had a boyfriend with a university degree before Mm. oh that's an interesting one ever like i'm trying to think actually like I'm, i'm sure i've dated people who have university degrees but actually like my relationships have all been with men who have never gotten a university degree Interesting. ever. Interesting. I don't, they haven't all been stupid. Some of them have been a little bit stupid, but. <laughs> <laughs> that's but like, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't think, I think that's probably because like, there's a different kind of intelligence that I value more that I find yeah. more interesting or relatable. Like, I don't like, not going to talk to some dude who's been to university. Like, I don't, I don't mean having a PhD. I think that would probably irritate me more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Oh, you're an academic. Like you uh. get like into this narrower and narrower prescriptive way of talk. And that's why they all sound like bots. They're all just like repeating the lines that they learn at union. It's like, dude, just get a fucking personality. Like have yeah. something to say that's from your own life experience. And that's the thing. Like, that's why I, I don't think they have life experience. I think they have to recite the lines that they used at, at, at uni because they've not done anything. Yeah. And that's why I'm like, go and get a fucking volunteer job. Like at least if you work with people that are suffering, you might have a little bit of understanding of what it actually means instead of just telling me what your fucking Marxist handbook says. Like, I don't care. <laughs> um, Matthew in the comments says, PhD guys probably don't fix cars. True. Like, exactly. Yeah. It's like, are, are all those, like, academic men going to fix my shit for me? Yeah, no, they're so cringe. I mean, that's a really good point. No. I think my... Useless. I have one ex uh, with a degree, but um, my ex with a degree, uh, he was definitely the first in his family, and he's from Brazil, and he, I met him while he was studying. He got, like, a student thing, and, like, his whole family pooled their money so they could send one person overseas to study. Um and so 
that's really interesting. And the same with my partner now, like he's the first person in his family to get a degree. And it's very interesting because they have the perspective of like both sides of the equation, which is like the background of people not being able to afford university and then their experience of like dealing with people that are from the university educated class and how fucking difficult they are. And that's what I feel the same with the politician class or the the people that are always doing the political commentating that are often from the politician class as well. It's like they're in this kind of world of their own, which is somewhere in the middle class. I don't know exactly. I don't know enough of them, but it's a it's a world that is dislocated from the experiences that they're constantly talking about. So they're just constantly misrepresenting the problems and that's is the same with with trauma all these people are talking about trauma and i'm like you don't know what you're talking about like it's fine that you think you know and it's fine that politicians think they know but it's like their version and it's it's not quite it's not quite how it's actually experienced i think i would just prefer to be around a man and probably people in general who have life experience and who've done shit and that yeah i can like i don't know that i can relate so much to somebody who i mean whatever like i did the whole university thing my parents are academics now too so i guess i can i mean i don't want to somebody in the comments was like i don't really want to talk about what did she say? I don't really want to talk about academics. So, oh, she said, Paula says, academic discourse is so unattractive to me. I want to talk about simple stuff, not discuss Heidegger. I like, I don't even know who the fuck that is. Sorry. Um, but, mm. uh, like, exactly. Like, it, it'd be like, yeah. you know, you want to go on a date and you want to pontificate to each other. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's so phony. And I feel like a lot of people do like that. And I feel like they like that because of the narcissism of it. Like, it's like, mm. yeah, I want to go on a date and talk about, like, philosophy and, like, academic shit. It's like, oh, that sounds so draining to me. Like, that does I want to go on a date and, like. And they're so like, lame. Like, you know what I mean? And, like, talk yeah. shit. Like, and, like, make fun of other people in the bar. Like, I don't want to have some, like, big academic conversation where you're like, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, and I, I think it's phony. Like, I just want to relax. It's so phony. And it's also all fabricated like they're all of these problems that they're always discussing like let's discuss philosophy it's really important like we've got to discuss this because we're so important that our thinking about this thing is important and it's like this whole thing is fabricated like do you realize that like this whole philosophizing thing and all these ideas and you've got to you know exchange notes on what you think about this theory and that theory it's all made up it's not important it doesn't actually exist. It's it fake. Doesn't. It's fake. <laughs> I think this is such a good segue into woke fishing. Yeah. It's pretty much what we're talking about. Um, yeah, it is. Okay. Like, this is, like, so great and so perfect and perfectly ties into this whole conversation. Um, okay. I just need to thank Camille in the comments who asked me why I look like I'm 25 and said honestly i bet you get carded for alcohol megan yeah you do look really young what have you done i, mean, well, I, be, I use lighting so i think that helps <laughs> i've used lighting and it's made my face shiny as fuck and it's I really bet you don't, like you have like what is your lighting situation over there 
Just one of those small like rings. I just bought yeah, one. Okay, so I have one. Like I have like a big. It wasn't expensive, but it's one of those big like white photo shoot lights that you'd use. You'd use more than one if you were using professional lighting, but you'd have one like if you're doing a video thing or like a photo yeah. shoot. So it's like a big white. So that mm-hmm. helps. Also, sunscreen, which apparently I can only manage to use on my face. So this part of me yeah. looks like eighty-five. oh sob i'm so okay um, okay 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 but wait let's talk about woke fishing because we're getting okay i'm gonna be the one who has to pay attention to the time because i realize that you're even worse at time than i am so we're at 10 and we're supposed to move to patreon at 10 30 so we have to at least get to one of our topics if not two okay Mm -hmm. so the woke fishing thing you sent me this article Right. Oh, cool. Did you? Okay. Did you? I guess. Okay. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think you did. Um, and like, I, I think you sent me an article that was in the New York Post, and actually, and it was written about an article for Vice, which is even better than the New York Post because every single article published at Vice is so stupid and mm-hmm. therefore like so amusing. Okay, so woke fishing. I actually, I actually, I'm just going to read you, I hope this isn't too boring, but like the first three paragraphs, because I think they're mm-hmm. really great. Okay, okay, okay. So this article is called, Have You Been Woke Fished While Dating? Here's How to Tell. When I was about 17, I decided to go vegan. I was trying a lot of things at the time, including getting my nose pierced, which I considered to be a serious act of rebellion. Anyway... I mentioned my new veganism to the guy I was seeing at the time, and to my surprise, he seemed really annoyed. He responded with an uninterruptible lecture on the importance of supporting British farmers. I can still remember one of his appalled, patronizing texts. Oh God, you're not going to become one of those vegan feminists, are you? I was confused. He hadn't come across like someone who hated vegan feminists. So where did this come from? I mean, first of all, this is so irrelevant because you're 17. Like, who the fuck gives a fuck, like, what a 17-year-old thinks about anything including <laughs> you? Like, oh, your boyfriend when you were 17, i.e. not a real relationship, and you were both basically still children? <laughs> this person is probably, like, 21 now. <laughs> <laughs> I ended things a while later, which prompted a barrage of texts from him with a lot of derogatory language. It confirmed, that's because you're 12. It confirmed, <laughs> and that's how you break up when you're a child. Fuck you! Uh, it confirmed what I'd begun to suspect. As much as he'd reeled me in with an outwardly woke persona, in reality, we were never going to see eye to eye. I had been <laughs> woke-fished. Woke fishing, put simply, is when people masquerade as holding progressive political views to ensnare political partners. A woke fish may at first present themselves as a protest-attending, sex-positive, anti-racist, intersectional feminist who drinks ethically-sourced oak milk and has read the back catalog of Audre Lorde twice. But, in reality, they don't give a shit, or, as is often the case, they're actively the opposite in their personal lives. It's sort of like catfishing, but specifically with political beliefs. Um, 
That's so offensive that they put Audrey Lord in there. That like don't marry that with your bullshit. Oh, anyway, what were you saying? Like, okay, I mean, first of all, I think this is so funny because I mean, okay, first of all, I think this is actually a valuable lesson to learn. Like you should you should go through that as a young woman so that you realize like so that you learn not to fall for it again. Like, because I feel like I've dated guys who I, like, thought were super progressive. And I was like, oh, he seems, like, super smart and progressive and interesting. And then you realize that he's abusive or whatever. And then after that, you're like, ugh, never falling for that again. Um, And I don't know, like, unfortunately, like, I don't know how else you learn about those red flags unless you go through it. Like, some people just get lucky and, like, I think just happen to meet a good person who doesn't dick them around and then they marry them. But the rest of us date a bunch of people and I'm like, Oh, he seems fine. And then it takes like 10, 15, 20 years of breaking up before you start to catch stuff. And then you're 40. (laughs) Not a personal story at all. I wouldn't know. Um, and then the other funny part, I think, is that, like, I, I mean, first of all, like, lefty woke guys are disgusting. Like, uh, all of that stuff makes me want to vomit. Like, it's like, you drink, like, ethically sourced oak oat milk and you go to what protest and you call loser. yourself an intersection. I know, like, you fucking <laughs> cuck. Like, there's no way that any man like that is getting anywhere near me. Data when I man. Come on. remember that time that um, remember that time I got a pay rise and like the first thing we bought was like a slightly more expensive brand of milk and you're like, why are you excited about that? And it was me and my partner's first time of like not buying the home brand of the cheapest milk. <laughs> <laughs> we thought it was like a whole thing but what but these are like people... well i don't understand what it was like it was like was it was cow's milk yeah it was just a more expensive cow's milk yeah. uh we did start buying coconut milk so now i'm starting to like do these things that these people do and i'm like oh like this is how you live like this is how you live since you were born and you want to tell me about politics and like how people suffer like you know how offensive it is when you get down to realizing like now that I earn money I'm starting to do these things that these people have always done like they were born doing these things and I'm like you motherfuckers have no milk I don't even know fancy fancy milk 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 is milk maybe this is a New Zealand thing I'm like expensive milk milk? well I mean I I learned to go and buy like the cheapest things at the shop like you choose the you choose it by price you so you choose the cheapest one and so now we're not really doing that which feels very oh yeah 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 yeah. okay yeah like that's like a step up that's like when you're like i know i've been through that before too and i was like oh i can buy like the good quality like whatever ethical bacon like i can and you have to like shift your brain because you're so used to being like just buy the cheapest version of whatever it is you need and you're like yes oh i can actually shop more ethically 
and I can actually buy something that's better quality. Yeah, it's great. It's awesome. But that's um, how they've always lived. Laura's <laughs> still like, but Megan, <laughs> you hear me? Other people have always bought the good bacon. So they always had money. And now they want to tell me about how it feels to not have money. Oh, you you see so why that's yes, so weirdly, that's like cognitive dissonance for me. Yeah. Excuse me, wh- why are you telling me about this topic? Yeah. <laughs> they want to educate you. They have an education and they want to share their education with you. Because their parents paid for their degree, so now they feel entitled to tell me. I mean, it happens with everything, right? Like, it happens with Think gender. Of it as a gift. Think of it as charity. See, this is their version of charity. They're offering you their wisdom that they learned in their BA and on their dates with these fucking pets. <laughs> But they do it with like everything. So it's like it's the it's the uh, you should be like eating clean and like buying ethical, and you should obviously be an intersectional feminist, and you should obviously uh, understand and support the gender identity ideology. And if you haven't, well, you probably haven't read Judith Butler, so fucking educate yourself. And so there's all these like layers to their lifestyle, and I'm like, but your whole lifestyle is a lie like it was bought to for for you by your parents okay okay so my favorite my favorite thing about this woke fishing thing is that like the i mean first of all the lesson that you should learn from going through this at 17 is that you should never trust leftist men they're all liars and cucks um, you you made it in a long time ago, and people were upset about it. Remember that? Yeah, and I know, I know that sounds like. And it, of course, this is a sweeping generalization. I'm sure there's men who are leftists that maybe you could fuck, but like you probably shouldn't. And my main point is that, like, I think that woke culture is the lie. So I don't think, I think it's wrong to say that it's woke fishing where they're faking being progressive and they're faking being woke to get girls, to get dates. I think it's that it, the whole thing is a lie and you're just lying to each other. Right. Um, like, I think that it's all phony. I don't think anybody believes all of this stuff. And I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, like, I don't believe in feminism or, you know, healthcare or social housing I'm saying that having all these holier-than-thou politics is totally phony, um, and that nobody nobody lives what what they say. Like, if you have that, you know, if your politics are that pure, then you're lying. That's not who you really are. So inevitably, you're going to say something that your partner, or your date, or whatever is going to consider you know that doesn't match your politics maybe it's racist maybe it's sexist maybe it's a funny joke and you don't like funny jokes um but (laughs) jokes are illegal because you can't you can't Mm -hmm. if you're woke enough you can't find anything funny it's funny that they're writing it from the perspective of like i have all of these like all of this integrity and these amazing ethics and this like really solid political stance on everything in life. And they're just faking it. And it's like, 
no, you're doing exactly the same thing they're doing. You're creating this facade that is fashionable right now, that is appealing to your friendship group, that puts you in the position to be hired by companies that you think are doing the same thing as you. And the whole thing is you fabricating this lifestyle and this outlook on life that you think looks a certain way. It's like you're putting on a new outfit because that's what people are wearing now. And you're mad because the person you're dating put on the same outfit and you you don't think that there's something else underneath. Like <laughs> I it's so funny because the, yeah, and they're doing it to themselves. So you're seeking out this person to match your politics, but your politics are phony. And so you want somebody else with phony politics and then you're mad when they turn out to be phony. Mm-hmm. Like you just be a normal person and say stupid things and you'll mm-hmm. have much better luck in dating, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to read some more from this article. So, okay. Uh, I mean, essentially, so the author of the article is saying, like, it's no surprise that singles are now consciously choosing partners who are on the same wavelength as them, which is not what's going on here that's not the subject of the article like i don't what it means to be on the same wavelength is not you have matching professed political beliefs i don't think because i don't think Mm. like i think it's more i think when you're finding a partner and you feel like you match with somebody and you feel like you understand each other and relate or whatever i think it's more I mean, I want to say worldview, but I think that these people would probably translate worldview into, like, Black Lives Matter, trans women are women, feminism is for everybody, like, whatever it is that you say. Whereas for me, I think it's more like you're judgmental of the same people. <laughs> or like... yeah, pretty much true. <laughs> you think the same jokes are funny. Yeah. Um, you kind of like have shared hobbies, like you like to do similar thing. You, I don't know. It's it's something it's something more complicated than you know. I don't know that I can even put it into words exactly. It's it's sort of it's an understanding and a relating to each other, and mostly it's just about being comfortable to be yourself. I think and like supporting mm-hmm. one another. But um, I, I, think I think it's, it's more it's... about the realness than the thinking about things in the right way. Like there's a gap there, which is kind of what I was saying before. It's like when you have these experiences, you live in this world where you can just talk about it. Cause it's like, that's what I experience. We chat about it. Yeah, it's cool. We joke about it. It's cool. When you live in the world of ideas and politics it's all theory. So then you mm. can't joke about it because, you know, that's bad. I've been told that's bad. And it's like, no, I've lived that. I'm happy to joke about it. Like, get over yourself, you fucking loser. So there's a gap, there's a huge gap there between the real life and the theoretical world. And that's why they sit around philosophizing and like, oh, but Marx, Marxism says this and someone else says this. Like, it's all theory. Right. Like, who fucking cares? Yeah, I mean, it's postmodernism. There's nothing real. It's all theory. Reality doesn't exist. It's all subjective. Everything is just some kind of, like, theoretical conversation where we're all just trying to, again, impress one another with our mm-hmm. academic words and philosophizing, which is connected to that, that two plus two 
equals five thing, which is the other thing that I wanted to talk about this week. There's still more that I want to say about the woke fishing, but yeah, like, it, I mean, the two plus two, I'll talk about that in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I'm going to derail myself, but I, so, okay. So here from the article, Tom 23 is from Bristol and has a lot to say about being woke fished. I remember on my first date with this guy, we spoke about racism in the UK Over the coming weeks, we spoke a lot about diversifying the curriculum and issues surrounding the monarchy. What What does diversifying the curriculum mean? No. (laughs) Neither do they. That's my whole point. You don't know. You're not talking about it. They were were talking about nothing. In other words, they Mm -hmm. were just like saying words to each other back and forth and pretending to be intellectual. Mm -hmm. It was all great. But then we passed the honeymoon phase and oh boy, did this guy turn out to be something else. Like, yeah, because you had entire conversations about absolutely nothing. Like you didn't spend any time getting to know each other. You talked about diversifying the curriculum and the monarchy. Like, what could you like? Is this what you do on dates? Like <laughs> I would rather jump off a bridge then have a first date about a curriculum let's do some shots (laughs) shut up and calm down seriously your opinion is not as important as you think it is it's so boring you're so boring oh my my God. god so um goes on to say Uh, The guy Tom was seeing was definitely not putting his words into practice. As much as he would talk, this is a quote from Tom, as much as he would talk about being progressive, he would laugh at racial slurs. It was like he used being a social justice warrior as a personality trait, but did the exact opposite. Um, And then she, 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 she includes some statistics that say, Research found that in 2016, over 1.6 million relationships crumbled due to rows about Brexit. Rows about Brexit. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, A more recent study from 2018 found that people are less likely to be romantically interested in those with political beliefs divergent from their own. Um, I mean, I... I mean, I, I guess I, I would be interested in that study and what kind of questions they were asked to come to the conclusion that people are less likely to be romantically interested in people with political beliefs divergent from their own. Because um, I think that, I mean, I think it's a problem if you're going online. Like if you're, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming most most young people today are using dating <laughs> don't know any young people so i'm just guessing based on what i read on the internet um, <laughs> are they meeting on tiktok yeah um so. like if you're seeking out i think it's the wrong way to go about dating if you're seeking out first of all people who share your politics like if you're on tinder or bumble or whatever it is and you're like i want to find somebody who put feminist in their bio it's like well you're starting out in such a stupid way to begin with. And you're, again, I think you're intentionally seeking out phony people who are bound to disappoint you. Um, mm. You should just be having conversations with people. And in fact, I think this is like one of the problems with dating online. Cause like 
like the way I was going to say the normal way that you date, but I guess it's not normal anymore where it's like you meet somebody somewhere and you kind of like vibe with them and there's some chemistry and you like get along and you joke around. That obviously is a better way to connect because you're, you like each other and you relate to each other and you're getting along versus you're like, you know, listing off Hmm. likes and dislikes and, and these I'm anti-racist. I'm feminist. Like I, you know, what, what does that mean? Like that says nothing about whether or not you're going to get along with somebody or whether or not they're a good person. I mean, first of all, people can say anything they want, but like, Mm. I mean, it, it, and yeah, and it's all, it's all phony anyway. Like saying that you're announcing that you're anti-racist or feminist means nothing. Like your behavior matters. Right. Your ethics matter. What you do in your life matters. Like, yeah, that's why I said, I was like, do these people like is so, so fair enough? Let's say you're you're born into a middle class family, so you haven't, and you're white, and um, no one that you know has any major disabilities. So you've kind of lived in this bubble, but you talk about these problems, these lists of people that have these problems that you think that your politics allows you some insight into. Mm. Fine, okay, but like. Have you worked with any organizations or charities or just even done anything that actually gives you some form of experience? And I think this is why people are now um, big upping the idea of lived experience. So they're trying to like grasp for things and they're like, but I have lived experience of this thing. And it's like a made up thing. And because they know, like, they don't have life experience. I think they actually know that they don't have the experience. They don't have a window into it. They know that their discussions are all theoretical and there's, like, a, a real gap in experience. So, yeah, I don't. I mean, you're looking for other people that believe the same theories as you. Of course it's volatile. It's hinged upon the fact that we're going to interpret this theory the same way and in our interpretation we're going to entirely match. Like, we can never match. Sometimes people have said, like, you and I agree on everything. Like, we have a sort of similar take on things. It doesn't mean our interpretation or the outcome of it is actually going to match. It just means that we come from kind of similar places in the way we come at the to- the topic or the problem. Mm-hmm. So it's, of course, when you live in the world of like ideas and this is very relevant now because we're all online and the world is becoming more virtual. So it's all kind of about like, what do you say? What are your ideas? What's your bio? Um, and of course, it just changes on a whim. It's not like life experience where it's like for 30 years, I've done this thing and I've lived it every day and it's a real thing. It actually exists. Like I didn't just make it up in my bio because Black Lives Matter today. Like I actually have worked in this thing every day or I've lived with these people every day or I've experienced this thing every day, you know? Yeah. And I mean, and I think that the other way that we... Like, the reason why this works and why we get along and connect, like, intellectually or in in various other ways is due to authenticity. Yeah. Um, And, you know, you're, like, an honest, authentic person who doesn't really care what other people think about you. You're still going to say what you think. 
And and you're will I think you're willing to be like wrong and make mistakes and exploring that. You're not so scared of being perfect, which means that you're not being phony. And so these people's problem again is that they just lack authenticity and integrity, which to me is such an unattractive quality. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that's what these people are seeking out. If they're seeking woke woke partners, they're seeking somebody who's not authentic and then they're offended when this person says an authentic thing, like makes a racist joke or whatever that means. Mm. Like, you know, like I mean my friends make all sorts of offensive jokes all the time and say like misogynist things or, you know, whatever. Um you have to sort of I mean, there's a difference between, first of all, making jokes and actually genuinely feeling that way. And you have to be able to tell the difference. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think, like, I just... I don't think that many people, like, regardless of the, the jokes that they say and, you know, like, a lot of working class people are pretty, like, I mean, especially in Australia. I feel like, and uh, this is becoming more apparent to me, obviously... Um, Australia is very different to the United States and Canada in terms of culture and like much more upfront and there's like less politeness. Um, but that, that doesn't say anything about a person. Like you can be very unpolite and incredibly ethical. Like Mm -hmm. you can you can like my dad is so rude and that's why I swear all the time and I can be rude he just is like this is fucking dumb like this is a load of shit you're all fucking stupid but like incredibly ethical like always concerned for the people that are around him like will always go out of his way to help people like making sure people are taken care of when they need money or whatever it is like it there if there is a you can be really polite and a fucking piece of shit and people get away with it and this is what i think a lot of what woke culture is like you're using these polite terminologies that signal to people that you're kind and polite and i use the right language because words are violence but you're like a piece of shit in your actual life because you want to ruin people you're like looking for the friend who says the thing that's not polite so you can get them fired from their fucking job yeah and that makes you a good person like really totally and i think you're right like i think that it's like what I would, what I value in, you know, when I'm thinking about like men in my life or, you know, friends or boyfriends or people that I, whatever. Um, like there are some very like highly, highly ethical people who absolutely are not in any way politically correct, do not have woke politics And I have so much respect for those men because they have like a real code of ethics. Um, You know, like there's like morality there. There's, there's, there's qualities that are so, you know, old school in some ways in terms of of values, like loyalty, honesty, like you do what you say you're going to do. You show up, you help people out when they need help. Um, You know, if somebody needs help moving or somebody has a crisis you're just like there doing it and you're helping like you don't you're and then you say offensive like I don't give a fuck I care so much more about those other qualities like yeah 
that you're you know like, what's funny about that what you're describing is is a form of community and collectivism and and it's very apparent in um it's it's apparent in a lot of cultures a lot of people associate collectivism with eastern cultures but it's apparent in many cultures the funny thing is woke people will shit on individualism because it's western and like all western people western culture is fucked individualism is fucked it's about collectivism it's about community and yet they're toxic and they're snakes and they have no way to build community because they're all out to fucking get each other. They're constantly mm. at each other's throats. Like they're not doing yeah. collectivism at all. They're doing the opposite of it. And the people out. that they're shitting on are actually doing collectivism in a way, like far better than they are. Yeah, totally. Yes, they're the kind of people who bail because it's yeah. convenient for them. Like they're bailing on their friends their you know activist comrades um their co-workers their mm-hmm. peers because they say a wrong thing and you know they're not they're fair weather friends and they they mm-hmm. lack integrity and they're all doing it for to protect themselves too right like they'll probably use the excuse where it's like oh you turned out to be racist or oh you turned out to be transphobic or whatever it is but the reality is that, like, when you bail on people, it's usually just to protect yourself from peer pressure, mm-hmm. um, from, you know, getting in trouble yourself. Sometimes it's, you know, lack of tolerance for somebody's views, I guess. But I think for the most part, it's pressure from friends or outside pressure, social pressure, like, oh, I can't associate with this person anymore. Like, mm-hmm. um, and the real good people that you would trust and want to be around and that you could rely on, i.e. like, how do you build a community with people who you can't trust, who are just going to bail, who have no integrity, who won't have a conversation with you, who Mm. won't stick it out if you fuck up. Like that's not, that's not family. That's not community. That's not friendship. That's not like a, a trusting, loving relationship. That's a completely conditional, selfish version of, love friendship whatever yeah totally conditional like conditional upon you saying exactly the right word in the right tone and don't you dare fucking laugh about it because it's not funny like that's your community building i don't think you understand what community building means because in community building and in collectivist cultures everyone fucks up and everyone gets on with the job still it's part of the the thing like that's there's no space for being judgmental and whiny and nitpicking it just doesn't happen you you get on with it you go oh yeah that person fucked up all right let's keep moving like and that's for me that's a difference between like living in the real world where there's like survival and the need to pay bills and the need to go to work and living in the fake world where it's like oh mom and dad's trust fund's going to pay for this so i've got time to sit and have an 8 hour argument on the internet about a word that someone said that i don't like because it's really important like we live in different worlds mate they're not the same issues Sometimes we're talking about two, two different plus things two can equal 5 <laughs> context laura math is a racist institution this is just a hegemonic narrative and you know what the white man says can't be trusted anymore there's no Mm -hmm. such thing as objective truth Mm -hmm. 
they've got time to hash this out because they've got the money to have the time to hash out the most <laughs> fucking ridiculous ideas that have ever been I mean they're not like they're not even ideas they're just like brain farts you know Oh my god, ridiculous. Like, I mean, I, <laughs> tell I us about get, this shit. Yeah, I won't get too deep into it. I'm hoping yeah. I can get an interview with James Lindsay. I, I'm trying to get in touch with him. Oh, so actually, wait, yeah, I can cool. talk to him more about all this if I can, yeah. if I can get in touch with him. I only just, I tried to find, I was like, oh, right, I should try today. So I'm not saying I've been trying forever. Um, but yeah, so he, uh, and if you want to read the like, whole story about this which i could not because it's very math heavy <laughs> it's like i don't understand math like, <laughs> i feel triggered <laughs> um, but he wrote an article about it in new discourses so james Lindsay, who's a mathematician and he's one of the guys who was involved with the grievance studies affair um with uh helen Pluckrose and peter bogosian so you know it's like they submitted a bunch of fake papers to the critical theory department. So like gender studies, queer studies, like critical race studies, blah, blah, blah. Um, to sort of show that it was, um, there was phony. no kind of, yeah, phony mm-hmm. <laughs> no academic <laughs> rigor or whatever that they were sort of just producing things that sounded good. Essentially. Like one of the papers was, human reactions to rape culture and queer performativity at urban dog parks in Portland, Oregon. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, so he tweeted, he tweeted what he calls a woke mini. I guess he put, I don't know. I am not on Twitter, so I can't follow this shit, but he called it. He posts these like woke minis where I guess he's, he's like walking, he's mocking woke ideas. Um, so he tweeted, I think early in July, uh, two plus two equals four, a perspective in white Western mathematics that marginalizes other possible values. Yes. Right. And, and, um, somebody named Nicole Hannah Jones, who's actually a reporter for the New York times magazine. Um, and she calls herself the Beyonce of journalism. Fun. Oh my God. Sexy and fun. Um, I guess she sort of retweeted it to mock him. And then this PhD student named Brittany Marshall tweeted, Nope, the idea of two plus two equaling four is cultural. And because of Western imperialism colonization, we think of it as the only way of knowing. So this turned into like an entire month of these like academics and woke people and PhDs and and even mathematicians too trying to defend the idea that sometimes two plus two can equal five. Oh um, somebody named Joe Herbert tweeted, "Math is actually not universal. Treating it as such upholds white supremacy." Like, I mean, it's it's postmodernism applied to math, right? So there's they're essentially saying, you know, there is no objective truth. Everything is subjective. Everything depends on context. Um, No one can really know anything. Knowledge itself, like, it's based on this idea, actually, that we were taught in feminism, like, in university, which is, which is, it's not untrue, but it's, like, that idea that um, rationality and truth is the domain of the white man. Yeah. Um, But it's being 
taken way too far, obviously, and turned into this thing where it's like, because this has traditionally been the domain of the white man, you know, the the dominant ideology, the dominant group or whatever, it's inherently untrustworthy and it's inherently illegitimate because now um, we don't believe anything that this group says. Uh, you know, like it's all about power. But what is this group? Like what, what, this is what I can't understand. I'm not a history professor, but I'm pretty confident that there are versions of mathematics in all cultures dating back to fucking thousands of years ago. And so saying it's mathematics or rationality is the domain of white people is just fucking stupid. Like there are mathematics and rationalities in all cultures, in all histories, dating back all of time as far as we have records. Like that's just fucking dumb. Like why would you even think that? Well, and also, I mean, like what is the point of something like a number if it doesn't mean something like if if a number can be shifted or it's not like a stagnant if it doesn't have some kind of concrete meaning then don't have numbers i mean and it's the same thing they're they that's the just same dumb. Like, words too right what? it's like we're can trying to communicate give... something we can't communicate if we're not if we don't understand that this word means this thing like we can't like, like you know, if if a number doesn't mean anything, or maybe it can mean something different, then I guess like three o'clock could mean eight o'clock. And like, if the speed limit is like sixty kilometers an hour, that could actually be one hundred and ten kilometers an hour. Like, what the fuck? Then nothing is. I mean, okay. I'm obviously going cr- like this is obviously why everyone is so annoyed by postmodernism. But it's like, well, then nothing means anything. Nothing is true. Or everything is true. Everything that I feel and experience is and say is true. It's like, well, it felt like sixty kilometers an hour. I don't. What does that even mean? Like, right. you have, like a philosophical discussion about like. Well, here's the thing: because they talk, the ticket. because they give these abstract ideas, and they never give concrete examples. I'm never really sure what the fuck they're talking about. But I'll give some examples from my experience of how other cultures use mathematics differently. So, for example, in Vietnam, your age is calculated from the time you're conceived. So you're kind of about a year older. Um, oh. But, but okay. that doesn't mean that they don't use math. I mean, like Chinese, there's this long history of the development of math in Chinese culture. And, for example, I understand that uh, Aboriginal Australians don't see time in as much of a linear fashion as we do. And there's more associations with time being cyclical and time being related to the patterns of the natural earth, because that was relevant to their lifestyle and survival. That doesn't mean that they can't use math. Like there's (laughs) like, what are they? Well, it doesn't mean that if you have one rock and then another rock, you don't have two rocks. That's what I mean. Like they're talking in these weird or ideas. Or have a baby, and actually, maybe it's twins. But like, 
this is the thing they can't give like talk about real things like what cultures are you referring to which which, like cultural leaders in which country have informed you that they find math racist and what was their what was their rationale as to why a cultural leader in another country found math racist because i would be open to hearing that but if it's just a theoretical discussion about postmodernism assuming what another culture might think is racist then i just think that's a load of fucking horse shit it's meaningless and they're having a debate about it this just proves my point they have too much fucking time and money they don't live in the real world they don't need to survive their rent is paid their food is paid. They're sitting on Twitter for eight hours a day talking shit about how two plus two might equal five in some other culture they've never heard of. They've never been there. They never talked with anyone from there, but they think it might exist because it's an interesting idea. Like, fuck off. Your, your excess of time and privilege is actually very offensive if you have time to talk about two plus two equals five. It's just fucking real. And I am offended that I have to think about that level of stupidity when I have real things to do in my life. You know what I mean? Like, fuck you. <laughs> shut up. You're like, actually, no. I'm offended. <laughs> yeah, I am offended by this whole This is a fucking, fucking microaggression. You this is a real microaggression. Talk about this. <laughs> this is Ooh. a microaggression. I'm offended. <laughs> Yeah, I am offended. Uh-huh. I'm a little bit mad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what were you going to say about 2 plus 2 equals 5? No, oh, that's it. I think we're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, and this is like a good time for us to move to Patreon only, I think, because it's time mm. for... Um, so... Uh, Thank you for tuning into the same drags. I'm Megan Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm Laura McNally. You did it. What are okay, yeah. Come join us on Patreon only. I put the link down below. I want to talk about... And actually, seriously, I know this is going to sound like some kind of weird, like, cliched stereotype. Like, obviously, they're a bunch of bitches. Um, (laughs) I want to talk about women who say that they get along with men better than women. Like, like, that's sort of like an ongoing joke in feminism. It's like, oh, like, I just don't really get along with girls. I really get along with guys better. And I feel like I've made that joke, too. But I actually feel like Mm. there's some, I feel like there's something more. Mm. and something more that might be kind of legitimate Mm. um so this is what i want to talk about and then sort of connected to uh platonic male female relationships oh yes contentious topic yeah which i think from the perspective of our personal lives um thanks for tuning in (laughs) thanks everyone <laughs> see you next week or see we'll be back next Wednesday. We're live streaming on Wednesdays now. Yep. So All right. Join us next one Wednesday at 9 p.m. Okay. Okay. Bye. See you in a sec. Bye.